For all of you who listen to Mackie Second Floor Studios Presents Submersion and own an Android device, do me a favor. Go to the Google Play Store and download the Podcast Republic app. It's a fantastic app that allows you to get all of your favorite podcasts directly on your Android device. I use the app, and I love it. I can search for the podcasts I want to listen to, select them as favorites, and have them all just a click away. Make sure to set Mackie's Second Floor Studios as a favorite so you don't miss any of our new episodes. Again, the app is the Podcast Republic app, available on Android devices. Big things are happening in the submarine world. On September 4th at 9.30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, Eric Marino, who's been on our show multiple times, has organized a Reddit AMA, where you'll be able to ask anything you've ever wanted to know about submarines at iama.reddit.com. We will be participating covering the submarine movie section, and here's just a few of the amazing confirmed guests. Stockton Rush, the founder and CEO of OceanGate Inc., a privately held company that provides manned submersible assets and expertise for commercial, research, and military applications. Commander Ryan Ramsey, the former captain of the HMS Turbulent. H.I. Sutton, the author of books such as World Submarines Covert Shores Recognition Guide, a researcher, artist, and owner-editor of HISutton.com. David Owen, a Royal Navy Trafalgar-class veteran. Ian Ballantyne, author of The Deadly Trade, Hunter Killers, and Killing the Bismarck. Josh Dean, the author of The Taking of K-129 and writer for GQ, Popular Science, and Business Week. To stay up to date on everything regarding the AMA, head on over to submarines.reddit.com and be sure to join the community for all kinds of great information regarding submarines. All right, episode 30. Woo! And it is the second week of Japanese Movie Month. Submersion does Japan. Wow. What is that? Is that Godzilla? We're still doing That's the gong. That's the gong. It's like, oh, it really God. rings out for a while. That sounds terrible. Yeah. It's a terrible. It's that's, you see, yeah. That was, you weren't on the episode last week, but that was also what was said last week. <laughs> it's like, that doesn't sound very good. Could have no, found a better it one. It works on two no, levels. That's... I thought it was Godzilla. <laughs> Which is also no, Japanese. It was not a roar, a roar of a monster. No, it was not. No, I did. I did almost. <laughs> yeah, I did almost take the one from Latitude Zero last week and put that on, but uh, people would have not known what the hell that was. No, they would not have. Alrighty. Well, Brahm's back. I'm I back. missed you. I'm back. I'm out of the torpedo tube temporarily. That's true. Are you? <laughs> I mean, and I, uh, I, I'd sound yeah, much I'm, more echoey if I were in the torpedo tube. That is very true. Yeah, yeah. Acoustics would not be right. good for a, a podcast. We got to pull them out of there for for the podcast. But yep. uh, Mustard Man and Zach are absent, so pour one out for our absent friends. And uh, but yeah, no, we got the. Honestly, they they couldn't figure out how to watch this movie, and I, yes, I struggled. We, there were some technical difficulties. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, when I first got it, I was like, "What is going on with this?" But I was able to figure it out. Yeah. So because I am intuitive. a computer. Whiz. Yeah. yeah. So it ended up being a case where they had subtitles for this, but each disc had different subtitle things. So like when you got the full video for the DVD, like you'd have to switch subtitles between the different discs or whatever. Right. And so, but we figured it out because yeah, we're technological whizzes. I guess since they should have known that since we operate a, a submarine with only three people sometimes. Mm-hmm. We're like geniuses. We are. Yeah. <laughs> dive, 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 dive. <laughs> 
When it gets out of hand. What began as an innocent conversation among friends would soon spiral out of control and later be referred to by future generations as the eighth wonder of the modern world. Mac East Second Floor Studios takes you on the journey of your lifetime as your captains, Alex the Mustard Man, the artist formerly known as Brom, Jamie the Brain, Kyle El Capitan, and Zach the Backbone present Submersion. So, Brom, what did we watch this week? Uh, we watched the Japanese film from the Toho Company, uh, 2005 movie, Lorelei, the bitch of the Pacific Ocean. Close. Oh. Very close. I like that you went with the, the full title. I was going to say full title if you didn't get, get all the way there, but it's not the bitch of the Pacific Ocean, please. It's the witch of oh. the Pacific Ocean. Oh. It's not Piggle. It's Diggle. Well, both words were. Did work. you say Dickle on that one? I did not. Uh, and so, yeah. So this one is a 2005 uh, movie. Do we have any... Stats about who was made it or anything like that? or Well, like you said, the Toho Company, also by Fuji Television, it currently rocks a 5.3 on IMDb, and I would huh. list off who is in it, but nobody would know anyone in it. True. And do you know, you don't know how many votes on IMDb that got, right, to get to that 5.3? I do not know. Because mm. that seems a little low. It doesn't it seem, does. It doesn't I, seem if great. If you're watching this movie, you're seeking it out. I do have yeah. that information. 636 votes. Oh, no. So okay. 5.3 actually isn't so bad for how few votes it is. Yeah. Because usually the more votes you have, the higher the score it kind of moves. And then, Brom, who so. we got starring in this Bad Mama Jam, if you still got it up? Uh, we got uh, the titular – no, the uh, – what, what's a good what's a good adjective? Titular is not right. The Titular would be – would be Laurel. I would be the – Right, which is uh, – <laughs> where is she at here? You, you Kashi – uh, who plays uh, Paula Atsuko Ebner, the witch of yeah, the Paula Pacific, Ebner, <laughs> which is a German name. I, I do like that they actually yeah. gave her a German name, and they explain why. We got uh, Koji Yakusho, who played Masami Shinichi, who I don't even know who that was. Was that the main guy? I think yeah, probably the captain. Yeah, Satoshi Sumabuki, who played Oragasa. Uh, Toshiro, oh, that was the that was the pilot. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Uh, Toshiro Yanagiba, who played Kizaki Toshiro. Uh, I think that's enough. We okay. got it. We got it. We got it. We got it. We don't know. One more, <laughs> it would be Asakura, who was kind of like the bad guy, right? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, sure. yeah. Played by Shinichi Tsutsumi. Tsutsumi. Hmm. All righty. All right, great. So let's <laughs> dive right into this bad boy. Put 45 minutes onto that clock. Dude, we need and let's keep going. A it's, a very, it's a very long movie. It does open with a really awesome quote, though. So it says, Say it. Creatures of the deep have no eyes because sunlight never reaches their world. In this infinite darkness, death and silence reign, yet they endure, nurturing the resilient light of hope. And then it, and then it shows the submarine. That was my favorite part of the movie. Or four, yeah, yeah. <laughs> started off with the best. It was only downhill from there. Uh, but it uh, does start with like three or four voiceover slash text kind of crawls as mm -hmm. they kind of talk about that, which is more abstract. Then they talk about what's going on, kind of the context of what's going on, which is like it's the summer of 1945. And so it's nearing the end of the war. And we open on July 18th. And this is another film where they just keep on telling you the time. It's so funny. It doesn't actually in our subtitles, but on the screen, you can see it's like July 18th, 10 a.m. It's like 
Right. Great. 10 a.m. <laughs> What's it matter? It doesn't matter. It matters, I guess, more towards the end. Yeah, there it, does, it yeah. makes sense. And the, but most of it, you don't need that at all. But in the, at the end, they are telling you how long until like a launch too. Like they start doing that instead. They're like, oh, you know, it's actually like yeah. 12 minutes before the launch yeah. of the, the most important thing that you'll we'll end up talking so about. So we didn't even need to know the dates. I guess, yeah. The, date, the dates actually did make sense from a historical context. Because right, of for some of it. Where, yeah, when the bombings and stuff happened. So anyways, we open on July 18th and we see the U.S.'s bone fish and it's a gato class uh submarine and they hear a song playing and they turn around they're like it's a fucking witch apparently this is something that like people have been talking about like you hear a song before just before the witch shakes and um, oh man they get blown up yeah and afterwards a destroyer who saw that the submarine was destroyed sees another submarine diving and that's lorelei the witch of the Pacific Ocean. Yes. Yeah. So it's also towing something we see in, in as it kind of like moves away. And we'll, we'll learn what that is in a little bit. So next we flash over and uh, Hiroshima happens. So we kind of, it, it moved forward in time to when Hiroshima happens, which was August like 6th or something like that, mm-hmm. right? And there's an admiral and a commander, kind of a, a captain. And, you know, the, the admiral is kind of being real cagey about stuff. He keeps, keeps on talking about crime and punishment. They even flashback, like, crime and punishment becomes really important, except they totally botch the plot of crime and punishment. It's like, you ever read crime and punishment? It's like, uh, he killed, like, a loan shark. I'm like, well, it wasn't really a loan shark, but maybe that's just translation issues, whatever. And it's like, do you know who he really wanted to kill? And I was sitting there being like, uh, the pawn store owner? Like, I'm confused. Like, he wanted to kill the <laughs> pawn store owner. <laughs> he didn't want to kill anyone else. It actually was yeah. the entire point was kind of that he he wanted to prove that he could do action and was, like, a Superman by killing someone and he chose to kill this pawn store owner. Like, I'm totally confused. Are they saying that he was supposed to keep trying to kill himself? Because he wasn't. Okay, That's what they right. said in the movie. I know, but it's not yeah. it's not really the thing. It's it's and kind that of really a, comes into play a lot in this movie. It's kind of like a Christian slash like nationalistic view of like read the reading of crime and punishment, but I don't think that wasn't really the purpose of I don't think that was like what Dostoevsky was trying to say. It was like he was really killing himself by killing God by killing someone or whatever they made up. Oh yeah, they totally that's right. botched it. They did do that. But so, anyway, we the admiral is like, well, you're kind of he's, st- he's talking to the captain about this mission that he wants him to go on, but he also is like, you do not participate in any of the suicide attacks, the right. kamikaze missions. So they call you Captain Coward. He's Captain Coward. He's been mired on shore for like a really long time mm-hmm. because of this uh, it, refusal to do kamikaze missions, basically. And, but they, you know, they'll come to find that they are actually happy about that. That they mm-hmm. want, they want him in particular for that, for that reason, right? Kind of because he is Captain Coward, and we'll find out why. And he's like, "This is a waste of people's lives. It's a waste yeah. of training. We don't need to be doing this." Right. So they give him the new submarine. It's I five oh seven, and it's coming from Germany. And this was supposed to be an experimental U boat mm-hmm. that they had developed, and it has this new tracking device. And so they they go out the very next day. They go out with a totally like a motley crew that have no idea what they're doing. They're like, we don't, we can't read German. We literally don't have to operate, know how to operate the submarine. <laughs> right. And they're sailing about. And it's like, alrighty, cool. Yeah. I mean, I would guess you have like trained a little bit? Yeah. I feel thing? like if the, if the captain, as the captain, you'd be like, wait, we're leaving tomorrow. That doesn't really make much sense. And then you'd be pretty suspicious. But he seemed like totally down with it. It's fine. They right. even said anyway, we have start- a motley crew on this ship. I'm like, oh, I could listen to that. <laughs> yeah. That would have been awesome if all of a sudden, like, Kickstart uh, My Heart just started playing or something like that. Shut up, Molly Crew. Yeah. <laughs> you were here for entertainment purpose only. It's drill time. Yeah. Then he pulls out a stopwatch and he's like, We got to dive. And they're like, Oh, Captain Coward. Of course, he's fucking running away immediately. Like, what an asshole. But he's up on the sail. I know. And he waits for the, like, to the very last moment. Like, 
literally they're about to go underwater and he just like jumps down and closes to the edge. Yeah. <laughs> like water is just pouring in on top. I'm like, there's no way he got that thing sealed in time. No. Not at all. So anyways, he, he kind of lets everyone know like, oh, hey, I'm Captain Coward. Don't worry about it. Like, uh, we're definitely going on this really important mission. This is all about like Japan and hooray. Let's do it. Yeah. Uh, he even makes a joke here. Yeah. He makes like some jokes. Because he's like, like, he said, if your heart's not in it, own up to it without shame. I'll we'll, send you we'll home. We'll brom you. Yeah. <laughs> we'll brom you. I'll send you home out of the forward torpedo tubes. Don't worry about it. <laughs> and that clip might be a little hard to understand. <laughs> might, be, might be hard to, to do a lot of these clips from this Yeah. Um, so he wants it down to be 45 seconds for the dive. It was currently at 60. And you can see the faces of the people as they have this top stopwatch being like, oh, shit. Like, mm-hmm. we are way over. I think it was 62 seconds for that first one. So anyway, there's two kamikaze torpedo men. So in World War II, there were pilots who piloted, like, torpedoes. They actually got into torpedoes, piloted them, and blew up ships. That was kamikaze, underwater kamikazes. Like, yes. I think most people know of kamikazes as being, like, in planes flying into stuff. Mm-hmm. But there were also these torpedo men that were kamikazes. And these guys are ripped uh, rip shit. Like, I cannot believe this. we're on this fucking boat with this guy who doesn't believe in, like, kamikaze. Like, I want to die now. What the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> That's really what happened. <laughs> and But then the captain was like, wait, I can't believe you have, like, pro kamikaze. Yeah kamikaze people on my ship yeah he was like pissed me. that they were even there and yeah like well they are the ones that can operate the mini sub hooray uh and um we also get a very brief moment here where it's revealed that they're actually leaving without the authority of the japanese navy and that becomes kind of a main underlying plot is this like conspiracy that has been put in play unbeknownst to the captain of mm-hmm. like what their mission actually is because they think what they're doing is there was this atomic bomb blast at hiroshima and that they are actually going to intercept a third bomb. There's three bombs that went. They were going to intercept the next bomb. I guess they think it's the second bomb. Yes. And they're going to intercept the second bomb and stop it from getting launched. Like that's their idea of what they're mm-hmm. doing. But there's this other conspiracy that you start to get a feeling is actually happening. Mm-hmm. And they also need to test out this new piece of equipment they have. Like a like a phantom type thing, right? <laughs> it's like a phantom. But it's here's what's line. awesome. It's a mini sub. Yeah. And I was very excited about that. Well, technically the... Uh, the secret weapon is not even the mini sub itself. Mini sub is just a mini sub, but yeah. it, it turns but out. But the mini be, sub yeah. they called Lorelei. Right. And so I was like, that's a Lorelei. This yeah. is amazing because the entire movie is named after the mini sub, not the IO5 or the I507. We get the Lorelei. Yeah. So they are uh, asked to avoid uh, contact with any American ships at all costs. Um, and so they're kind of like just like skating around, like not doing much. And we, so the kamikaze pilots are, you know, not, don't have much to do. Like they're kind of like, oh, this is this is shitty. So they hear a song going on a little bit and they see the the nerd alert who is kind of like the government guy who's on, mm-hmm. on board, kind of taking care of this new like Lorelei secret weapon. They see him coming out of the mini sub and like, hey, we're going to take a fucking look. And, and the, if this mini sub was supposed to be so protected, yeah. shouldn't they have had some special lock on it or something because all that it was was like a little chain with a clasp <laughs> literally anybody yeah. could get through that i could bust through it i got big muscles yeah i, yeah. Just, I just knock it down no big deal <laughs> yeah you could have just gone underneath it or over top or or to the side probably you could probably yeah. figure out some way or you could do the what they did they just unhooked it and went out, and out. <laughs> okay yeah or you could break it or you could melt it or you could what else could you do to it anything man. all kinds of stuff you i mean you could really it. buy it you could probably shoot it although that might alert people to the fact that you're breaking into the mini sub 
Anyways, uh, they go to take a sneak peek, and oh man, there's like a Fifth Element lady there. With, oh, like, that's bandages. what I have in my notes. I was like, dude, she is dressed just like Lilu from the Fifth Element. Yeah, Lorelai or Lilu. Oh my god, wait a second. Weird. Total fucking ripoff. And uh. <laughs> So she starts to, she wants to like shoot herself or whatever. She takes a gun and she's like going to shoot herself. And mm-hmm. he's like, no, dude. And this is kind of becomes kind of our hero. This is like the young kamikaze pilot, but he turns out to be kind of like ends up being the hero. He's like, who is this? And so they end up getting, uh, kind of engaging with some American destroyers. Like immediately. Yeah. They're so close that they really can't avoid them. Like they're either going to have to try to evade and like just survive the depth charges and stuff, or they're going to gauge. And the guy's like, I I know you think I'm Captain Coward, but uh, guess what? Isn't a ca- little bit of a coward? This guy, and he points to his pants, and he pulls out <laughs> his dick, and everyone's like, "Oh, that's right, he is the captain." And yeah. the lieutenant's not happy about this because he doesn't really. The, the whole point is they don't want to use Lorelai, and you'll we'll end up seeing why because he's like he eventually relents, and they're like, "Okay, Kamikaze guy, get in the the mini sub," and he's like, uh, "I'm already here," and they're like, "That's weird." Oh, okay. Yep. And they go out and Lorelai ends up being this weapon where she has the ability with all these like this weird suit that has like all kinds of injections into her, like pumping some kind of liquid into her or something. Yes. It, they they didn't really explain what was going on, yeah. but basically the Nazis did some kind of human modification to this lady and now- it's classic. Which is based on a true, true story. Oh, I mean, yeah. This is? Not, no, not of, this. I mean, this is obviously sci-fi, no. but they did they did do a lot of human experimental testing to like- magnify human ability right right and so this one i guess worked right yeah so she's got this like weird suit on and she's able to basically it ends up being explained that she can perceive like human emotion or something like that and so with this yeah it was psyche and so like with that it's kind of becomes a sonar like she can link to other people's psyche and kind of see distances it's weird how she can see like torpedoes and stuff i'm not sure how and those the are psyche and stuff and the seabed, yeah, they're yeah. not really linked to anything, but I, I'm wondering if it isn't a case of like other people's psyches kind of like go out and echo and then her psyche is able to kind of like decipher all of those things bouncing around to give you like a sense of like space or whatever. So as long as there's other people in the area, she can see crab and lobster like, everything around. I don't know. <laughs> it's real weird because yeah, I'm like, I don't even, I don't know how she's seeing those torpedoes. But anyways, it makes it so they can give like a perfect uh 3d rendering yeah of what's going on and also this sub i guess is so good that they can just like dodge torpedoes they're just like it's like almost like the matrix like they're like yeah like moving perfectly such that the torpedoes go right around them it's real strange it but was anyways they're able to uh they're able to survive all these like torpedoes and stuff that way and captain coward even comes up with this plan because they have a limited amount of torpedoes on the boat and he's like oh if we shoot that, because there's a, uh, there's a fleet of three, of three of them, of them yeah. coming at them. Which, I'm, I'm guessing they really didn't do that. I, yeah, you probably don't line up like that. Probably but not. he's like, if we shoot the front one, it's going to become disabled. And the other two are going to smack into it. And they're all going to be disabled. Yeah. And, and they do they it. But shoot. They, yeah, they miss it. There's like a main destroyer that's there the whole time. Like which he, they were there like the our American they crew. The, the, the American crew. They were there on that July 18th thing. They're there then. They're there in the final battle. They're there yep. all the time. And the captain is always sweating balls. So sweating. And drinking some kind of mug. And, and there's like, like one guy on this? there that has like this giant helmet. It's like almost like out of Star Wars. I was like, what is that? And they showed it once. I was like, wait, wait, show it again. And then I didn't see it again. I was like, oh shit. I swear to God, someone had a giant helmet. <laughs> It was real weird. <laughs> so, anyways, they uh, they start to uh, they they shoot and but like that one evades that front one evades and so they hit they hit the back one. It ends up being that Lorelai gets like paralyzed because of this because mm-hmm. the psyche the the shock from all these like lives being lost 
kind of backlashes and knocks her out. And so it's it's one of those things that's p- probably the reason why they weren't engaging with American uh, forces along with other reasons. But like, that's one of the reasons that could be is like, you don't want to disable Lorelai. You want to have her be safe. Right. But they almost killed her by like killing this these ships or whatever. Yeah. And so- But then our first US ship is like, hey- Get after it. Time to start depth charging these right. guys. Classic, some some really classic submarine stuff we got in this one. We I know. Death charge. I've missed this stuff. Yeah, it's been we great. Haven't it's seen really, it in a while. It's really good to see. It makes me want to do some more war ones. They're, they're good. <laughs> yeah. So they start getting depth charged. They evade a bunch of them by going silent and going deep. <clears throat> and uh, in the end, the U.S. stops though because they get a message that says like, "Do not engage." Yeah, and like so they, we're trying to capture that stuff. We don't want to destroy it. So apparently they know about the new tech in some way. And so you start to get a better, even a fuller idea of kind of the conspiracy going on. The U.S. doesn't want to kill that submarine. Huh. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Even though apparently their mission is to destroy this whatever carrying an atom bomb. Hmm. That doesn't seem to jive. No. Anyways, uh, so they are trying to get Lorelai back up and running. Like, well, the big thing is, like, can we get her, like, healthy again? And she's not eating, and, and that, that kamikaze guy is kind of, like, helping her. And so, like, someone makes ice cream for her and blah, 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 all this stuff. And she yeah. kind of, like, ends up not really fa- not falling in love, but they, they they like each other and enjoy their company. And this kamikaze guy who's only wanted to die all of a sudden is like, hey, I want to I show you my my home. Mm-hmm. If possible, like if we get back to Japan. Oh I'd yeah, he's like, oh, home. I used to climb up these stairs, and yeah. I'd go up here and draw pictures. Right, and you're like, lame, get out of here. Yeah, come on, dude, be a man. Yeah, flex those muscles. What's going on here? What you hanging out with chicks? <laughs> <laughs> and so anyway, we cut back over and we start hearing about the naval commander a little bit yeah. and some of like his background, but then he's just like, you know what? I'm gonna commit harakiri. Yeah, which is that uh, seppuku. Yeah, yeah. seppuku. So he's like. Ready to die with honor. Right. Which comes into play a little bit later. Right. He's a little, gets a little wild. Right. And so they go, we have a whole scene also with, with Paula. She ends up, her name ends up being the, the woman in the mini side is Paula. What was it? Ebner. Erden or whatever. Ebner. Yeah. Paula, I Ebner. never expected that when he's like, what's your name? She's like, Paula. Paula. I'm like, what? <laughs> no, yeah. it is not. And then she has what he asked about her middle name, which is Japanese. Like, oh, my grandmother was Japanese, which I, I assume actually, well, I don't know. I, I guess I don't know. But, you know, apparently she ha- is fluent in Japanese. So I would have thought her mother was Japanese as well. But, mm-hmm. anyways, and then all of a sudden she just starts singing. She's singing a whole bunch. She loves singing. Actually, that turns out to be a funny quote that I have as well. <laughs> uh, like, yeah, she fucking loved Just trust me right now. She fucking loves singing. <laughs> yeah. And so that guy, the uh, kamikaze pilot, takes her up on the deck of the yeah. sub, which, like, he sneaks her by everybody, which I don't know how the hell you're going to do that, because where everybody's going out, it looks like everybody would see her. Right, yeah. And so then the captain walks up, and he's like, oh, I guess there they are, just hanging out over there. Just a couple of kids over there. And then him uh, and put the him XO, on toilet duty. <laughs> yeah. The XO and him start, like, the captain start having this little heart-to-heart. He's like... Oh yeah, my daughter gave me this cat's cradle or whatever, and I used to just think it was a stupid piece of string. But now look at this, and he makes like a ladder out he of makes it. Makes the bridge. And oh, he's man. like, oh, sorry, I shouldn't be talking about emotional things. Like I'll put him on toilet duty. Yeah, he's like, yeah, put him on toilet duty. It's like, oh, weird. I guess because he like is like hanging with this your secret weapon. It's like bad, like no good. Get yeah. out of here. But then she freaks out. She because freaks out because bomb. The second bomb on Nagasaki has been dropped. And so, mm-hmm. you know, we no one actually knows that. It's kind of funny in that way too. They're like, "Why why did you why, why do you think she collapsed?" And they don't they don't know the fact that there was a second bomb that dropped at that yep. moment. And, and so And then you know what we got? We got a classic right now. 
We have a full-on mutiny. Straight-up mutiny. That nerd alert lieutenant turns out uh, is mutinying and is like, we now own this ship. And some of the guys that we've come to love and respect, including that guy who made some ice cream, the gunnery guy. Yeah is part of this whole like crew who have been secretly in contact with the Americans. So we also saw like a little bit of, they at one point did a little Morse code and all that stuff. And it, and it's, it creates this, there's this whole vast conspiracy. Now to me, it was a little hard to gather exactly what was going on. I can't figure this out at all. But before we even start getting <laughs> yeah. into this, the thing I loved about this whole mutiny scene was that anybody who was involved in the mutiny was wearing a black bandana. Yeah, it's true. I was like, yeah, all right, bandanas. cool. Now, like, <laughs> we know who's bad. We know who's good. Yeah. Black bandana, boys, you're bad. Yeah. It's cl- it's a classic case of probably the director being like, we got to differentiate some people right now. <laughs> yeah. God damn. Like, no one's going to know who's actually bad and good right now. Yeah. are just all standing around. What's going on? Because, like, they literally, I mean, they didn't develop really anybody beyond who they needed to right and so okay so it turns out that the whole plot and they kind of explain it at this moment including a kind of a side scene in tokyo where that original admiral has like captured all of the main people mm-hmm. of the navy and is basically like here's what the plan was they were like fuck unconditional surrender we ain't some little bitch you know under the thumb of the u.s we're not just going to give up and become like some kind of like whatever colony of the United States, we're going to be strong. And how we're going to do that is we're going to actually give the U.S. Lorelei. And everyone's like, say, whoa, how do you give like an ultimate weapon to the U.S. and then like not be totally out of it? It's like, well, because then they're in exchange, they're going to fucking bomb Tokyo, baby. And they're like, Still, I'm not sure what I'm understanding the plan here. So I didn't like, get this at all. Like, that's two negatives right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, because we're starting over, baby. Like, we're in charge now. We basically gave the ultimate weapons to the U.S. They're going to be the only superpower left. Then they're going to let us start Japan again. It's like a military power, baby. And it's like, that is the worst <laughs> plan I've ever heard. Yeah, that's what I was, I was sitting there watching it. And I'm like, am I missing something? Because none of this makes sense. Everybody's like, oh, well, we could stop them from bombing Tokyo and like now we have the weapon where we can totally sneak in undetected see everything and deliver an atomic bomb to their shores he's like no <laughs> I want them to bomb us they gotta bomb Tokyo man yeah like, what like, what is going on and so why like, would it because he's like we're not gonna surrender except we're gonna surrender that boat there with all those people on it and it, as payment they're gonna bomb it, the shit out of Tokyo <laughs> what don't you get here <laughs> <laughs> I, I rewatched that like three times because I was like, "What am I missing? Yeah, like, no, there's got to be know. something." No, that's the that's literally the exchange. We're gonna give them an ultimate weapon, and then they're gonna bomb Tokyo, and then we'll get to kind of rebuild Tokyo on our image of like military might in in leagues with the great superpower that now has. And we'll be the only two places that have Lorelai. It's like what a weird fucking. Okay, fine. I mean, whatever. So, anyways. They they end up rendezvousing with the U.S. during this whole thing. They they surface, mm-hmm. but at the last moment, the guy who made ice cream has like a change of heart and shoots mm-hmm. this, this asshole lieutenant. And he, oh, but after just like this standoff where everybody's just like pointing guns around, sweating, sure. and they're like ah, and then you're like, all right, we've been doing this for like like seven minutes. Right. Like somebody just shoot somebody. Let's and do, do this. They have. I had to pour some more beer there. <laughs> it sounded like you were like urinating. It did good. Yeah. Just like a really quick tinkle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like you got like a micro bladder. And so, and so they, so they take it. They take back the ship thanks to this gunnery guy who shoots the lieutenant. It was a and, what you say moment. If you guys remember that Saturday, yeah, that Saturday Night Live. <laughs> well, it's originally the OC. Yeah. You ever see yeah. the original OC? Yeah, episode? when they all shoot each it's other. An amazing episode. 
Uh, well, no, in the OC, they just shoot one person. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's just Marissa shooting uh, Ryan's brother, like everyone knows. I don't know what the hell you guys are talking about. Anyways. <laughs> um, so the gunnery guy shoots him, but then he gets shot. Mm, what you say? And they both mm, die. But you only met. Uh, well, I'll sing in the background. You just keep talking. Sure. And at the last <laughs> moment, but at the last moment, they're like, trying to be, give us when this, the bomb is going to drop, man. Give us when the bomb's going to drop. And then Lorelai comes over and uses another superpower where we didn't know, where she like touches him and is like, it's 630 a.m. Don't worry about it. And they're like, oh, man, we only got... 15 hours. And now the countdown makes sense. Now it starts. Now we know. Okay, now I need to know what time it is. (laughs) Yeah. Because like, all right, 15 hours and the U.S. is going to drop that bomb on, or they're going to launch the plane to drop the bomb on Tokyo. Yeah. So despite the the plan here being totally ridiculous and absurd, I will say there is an actual plot hole here where like they also send off when everything goes to shit. Yeah. The guy who, who is like the admiral or whatever sends his like little, you know, uh, whatever person who he goes off on a motorcycle to like stop the ambassador from going and doing the unconditional surrender to the United States. And so they drive over and they see that he's been killed already. And like, we're too late. I'm like, you got 15 hours to, you know, put in place a new U S ambassador and just do this unconditional surrender. I was very confused as why they needed to kill that guy and stop an unconditional surrender when it didn't matter. Like they were like, they're going to drop, they're going to drop the bomb anyways, baby. Like it doesn't matter that we didn't give them (laughs) Lorelai. They should have dropped that bomb. It's like, uh, wait a second. <laughs> yeah. Right now I'm definitely confused because wait, the unconditional surrender was supposed to put a wrench into that plan and they can still do that. Like what's going to stop them from doing an unconditional surrender? At this There's point? a bunch of weird stuff. So anyway, the guy who so kills- 15 hours, apparently Japan's sitting there being like, oh man, they're going to drop a bomb on us and yeah. is doing nothing. Like the only people doing anything is the submarine for some reason. Yeah. It's really but anyway, weird. the guy who kills the ambassador, like all of a sudden we pan over and then and he, he just shoots, shoots himself, himself in the head. yeah. yeah. There's a bunch of stuff like that where Lorelai, there's one scene where she's like climbing to look out the top. It looks like she's going to kill herself. Yeah, yeah, she looks like she's hanging stuff. there. You're like, what is this? Well, it comes to fruition at the end with some of the kind of what they talk about with uh, with it. So anyways, during this 15 hours, we get another scene with Lorelai and the guy sitting on top of the bridge. And they're like, I, why do, why do you want to live, Lorelai? And she's like, oh, I don't know. She's like, I do like to sing. I guess if I was dead, I wouldn't be able to sing. And it's like. Valid point. <laughs> that is true. What a weird reason for fighting in a war. Yeah, but like, yes. Yeah, it was like, what are you fighting for? And this this was also garbage because he's like, what are you fighting for? I'm like, yeah. dude, she's been... I, we're, she's we're, been we're she's fine. been held captive and forced into this. Yeah, like she's not fighting for any of her like her own free will. I also loved his face when she said that. Like I just yeah. like to sing. He's like it's just like lol. What? <laughs> uh, okay, cool. Uh, so they they in the end during these fifteen hours they're like gonna head into in where they know that this plane's taking off at six thirty a.m. They don't really know a plan yet, so they're like everyone on board needs to be on board with this plan. And you can leave if you want to. So 25 men get on a boat and, and sail away. And we get a little scene with like getting a photographer, getting a camera or whatever, but it's, it's bullshit. It doesn't mean anything. Mm-hmm. And they all head off. And, and there's still like 40 minutes left at this point. Yeah. And they decide so at the climax, they're taking on the whole Japanese fleet and they, so they're going no. along. Switch it around. Oh, sorry. American fleet. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why I wrote that. Yeah. The whole American fleet. Uh, either way, whatever. And so it's this whole it's this whole climax where they're kind of like trying they're getting depth charged like crazy and they need Lorelai to go out and help them like avoid all this stuff because they do have a plan of how they're gonna take on these ships in the end. Mm-hmm. And so they but they need Lorelai to launch. And then we have the other uh other kamikaze pilot 
also die by like dropping his baseball down a thing and getting his hand trapped. <laughs> like, yeah, what a shitty way to die. <laughs> right. He's like, that I was... want to die. I want to die so badly. I want to die for my country in like a proud way. And that's like, oh, I dropped my baseball. Oh shit, my hands like caught. It's like, oh, that's not probably not yeah, what we were like, imagining. Oh, we're flooding this room in like a half a second. <laughs> like what? Yeah. And so this is the first time. This is the first of a few instances where you see the captain, who's Captain Coward, doesn't like kamikaze stuff, have to come to grips with the idea that there are these different situations of having killing yourself mm-hmm. that are seem to be the, what they're saying through this movie like appropriate in this wartime moment this is the first one where it's like as a captain he sacrifices this guy with the guy also being like it has to be done i have to die you have to go get in your machine otherwise the ship would go, ship down. go down and that's the first one where it's like okay this is not only him making a decision but allowing this guy to kill himself and say like get into get into the lorelei and, and go and like save us mm-hmm. that's like the first one that kind of happens there and then they also get damaged by a torpedo that hits the ocean floor and it knocks out their batteries yeah, yeah. and they're all sorts of like crazy levels of hydrogen and stuff and the XO has to go and manually change the battery. Very K-19 here. Very yes. K-19 Widowmaker, yeah. He ends up dying. And he ends up dying too. And that was another one where it's like, I got to go in here and like do this or else we're not going to be able to to survive and save Japan. And he had to kind of come to grips with like his best friend kind of having to commit suicide for the betterment of the of the mission or whatever. Yeah. And so there's like two different ones right there uh, where it does it. And and. In the end, what they decide, what they end up doing to kind of defeat the big fleet, the American fleet, is they actually start to shoot uh, torpedoes at the propellers, almost like knocking guns, shooting guns out of people's hands. Yeah. They're just like knocking out pro- props. Uh, and they were like, oh, man, but but Lorelai's going to get hurt when all those people die. And he's like, oh, not if we don't arm those fucking torpedoes. So they're just shooting like basically large pieces of metal and like taking out props. And they're yep. kind of like messing with all the boats and stuff. And eventually they get in the clear they uh, do. and away from them. And they're able to surface. But uh, Paul is still in a bad shape oh, she's in, in Lorelai. Yeah. And so this was kind of funny because <laughs> Captain's just like. Uh, we're going to just cut you guys loose. Got to got to go. And yeah. go find your way home. And I'm like, can you imagine you're in the middle of the U.S. As like a mini sub. Yeah. As a mini sub and you surface. You're like, um, how do we get out of this? Yeah. You don't. Yeah. Uh, the other, but this is like the final one, right? Because he kind of gives this rousing speech of being like, we are the old people. We are the ones that got us into this shit, into this bad situation. It's our duty and our job to get us out of this shit mm-hmm. and get you as the youth. You are the hope for the future of Japan. Like you got to be the ones who survive. And this is the final him actually killing himself because like he, what he didn't like about kamikaze missions was they were sacrificing the youth kind of these idealistic youths, putting them into these things and having them kill themselves. He's like, that is stupid. It's bad for Japan. Like we can't be doing this. It's dumb. And here he finally kind of comes to grips with this idea of like, as the old people, and the people who got them into the situation, they're the ones responsible and they should be the ones who kill themselves, not these, not the youth that are like whatever. Mm-hmm. And so they surface, shoot the shit out of this plane that's taken off with this atom bomb. That atom bomb drops into the ocean, never to be found again. Or so they think. Maybe we'll find it someday. Lorelai too. Oh yeah. Lorelei that's too. the bitch of the Pacific. <laughs> Kyle's, <laughs> Kyle's mission. Um, and they end up diving to try to evade, but all, all rumors are that they died in the process and then we see Lorelai kind of sailing away um through, through the sea to presumably survive and then fast forward a million years into the future and apparently we didn't know this is a book ending situation where yeah. this is all actually like some kind of interview that was happening with a very old person drinking no joke Brom did you see what he was drinking <sighs> no remind me it, it was hilarious he was drinking no joke steel reserve 211 malt liquor oh 
I didn't. At at dinner. Like there's like a there was just on like the a beach. on the beach, yeah. just a big bottle of steel reserve. One of the worst things, most the most vile liquid created by man. My God. Last time I drank that, I puked when I actually just drank it. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> Why? Why did I drink that vile liquid? Give me a cobra instead. Yeah, man. I, I pro- that would have been better. The only way I by the time I finished college, the only way I could drink steel reserves was as brass monkeys. I had to fill it halfway with orange juice. It was the only way I could do it. Oh man. Only possible way. And then the other guy, the, the Japanese interviewer, well, for the listeners, sparks. I, the, the 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 old man you're talking about was a was a lieutenant on one of the destroyers. I don't think you mentioned. Yeah, that. he was like kind of this idea. He kept on looking. He was the one who kept on looking out, being like, "Louis, like, what's that singing? Oh my god!" And uh, just like that. Yeah, and the Japanese guy's drinking sparks. You ever guys ever have sparks? Oh, yes. I did. Yeah, okay, yeah. So he was drinking sparks. <laughs> yeah, like it was like nighttime. It's weird. Like we're like man, early evening on a beach. That. It's like you know what? I need a, I need a little sparks. <laughs> Maybe we should try it, man. I've only had it, you know, like in college uh, and stuff. Maybe it's great. For it's dinner. It's real weird. I remember once uh, a Thanksgiving time heading home where. Uh, Apparently, I was supposed to get a ride. Like one of my friends was in town. He's like, "Oh, you know, you can just grab a ride with us. Head head to head home. It'd be really easy. You don't have to go on the bus like usual." And I'm yeah. like, "Oh, that's awesome!" Like, but oh, but we're leaving at 3 a.m. when my brother gets in town on on a plane, like really early in the morning. I was like, "Well, you know what? Let's all just grab Sparks. We'll stay up, and then we'll like sleep in the car on the way, you know, home." And so we each got four pack of Sparks and each drank four Sparks throughout the night. I remember feeling like trash at the airport. And then uh, yeah. his brother came, got in and my friend was like, oh, hey, so, you know, Jamie's going to grab like a ride. And he was like, uh, the car's already filled. I have like other friends who I already promised like I was going to drive them. And so then I ended up having to wait in line for a bus at like 6 a.m. having <laughs> stayed up all night on Sparks. And like I almost I there's I almost fell asleep in line for that bus. Oh my gosh. So anyways, that's Lorelei. Yeah. <laughs> End with a little story there. Yeah. <laughs> oh Lorelei. The witch of the Pacific Ocean. Something else, man. Yeah. It's pretty lengthy. Yes. So we're gonna start you off with this, Brom. What did you think? What'd you give it as a score? Okay. Uh, well, we did have some hallmarks of uh, of good submarine movies and what we're looking for. You know, we had the depth charges and uh, mutiny and things along those lines. But yeah, check them off. Yeah, check those boxes. And uh, I mean, ultimately, pretty good production value. I mean, the CGI wasn't uh, anything stellar, but it, it was pretty good. Um, but overall, the movie it was this was so weird. It was so. <laughs> Over dramatic at times, which is something that I, I notice a lot in uh, Japanese cinema and anime. It just is something that always bothers me is it's just so dramatic. And uh, and then you like kind of step back and look at what you're watching and it's like a slightly science fiction historical. I don't know what you'd call it. It's, it was so <laughs> weird. It didn't know what it wanted to be. And and the plot was just. I didn't. I couldn't understand the motives. Uh, I, I didn't <laughs> well, know if it was yes. me just like trying to like bounce back and forth from reading the subtitles, and I was I was just sitting there watching and just so confused as to. It would be funny if it was just a mistranslation. Like if someone was like <laughs> listening, trying to make these subtitles, being like, "I don't know. Uh, they're gonna drop it off, and then I I don't know what this plot is. I, I'm gonna yeah. guess here. Yeah, this, this is the plot. It's like, oh, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah the, as far as all that went, it was disastrous. But keeping it out of the cellar again, there there was some good production quality here, some cool action. I mean, 
you can't you can't knock any of that. I thought some of that was pretty cool. And ultimately, the the, the ending was really anticlimactic. I thought with you know the plane lifting off. I was I wasn't sure. I'm like, is that is that it? Is that the one that's got the bomb? Because it's not supposed to lift <laughs> off for another few minutes. At least that's what they led right. me to believe. <laughs> and then sure it's enough, the it other, is. So they're, they're, they aim their their guns and and they shoot it down immediately. And, and the movie ends. I'm like, <laughs> like what? Dude, just they take like two shots yeah. and they both connect. You're yeah. like. No, yeah, they with were shells. very way. They were very good. They were hitting literally propellers right. on individual yeah. ships. They're like Louisville, basically. But I'm like, you still have to Nick, shoot, like position yourself to shoot those torpedoes right. exactly where you want right. them to be. It if she had some kind of telekinetic powers and could redirect them, I guess I'd understand it. That more. would make sense. Okay, we're re- rewriting this. <laughs> yeah, and I mean they were As they Lorelei were firing the the shells at a at a bomber. I mean, it wasn't a flat cannon or anything <laughs> like that. They were trying to line up shells, and they hit it first shot. I'm like, oh. All right. They did it. <laughs> That's that. Go. And the nuclear bomb didn't go off either, so diffused itself at the bottom of the ocean. So weird, weird one. I'm gonna give it a four and a half. Oh wow. You uh-huh. were you landed exactly where I was thinking I was gonna put it. Yeah. Shoot. That's, Are we all gonna be the same on this? I cause I was thinking four and a half is this. I mean, in the end the production quality is quite good. Like you think it's it might be a little funny to think that I gave, you know, uh last week's um film of six and then this one a four and a half because, you know, it was a nineteen sixty nine film. Yeah, it was. Yeah. And Latitude Zero, nineteen sixty nine, like clearly just not the same production value mm-hmm. as something like this. It's just a very modern film and actually quite well made. I don't watch a lot of Japanese cinema, cinema but I assume that this is a pretty well made even by that standard, or like the standards mm-hmm. of their normal like films being yeah. released and stuff like that. So high quality and all that. But I was bothered by a couple of things. One is the nonsense plot, but also just like a little bit of a, a weird neo-nationalist like undertones. And I'm not sure we're supposed to really take into account like feelings about those certain things into my uh, ratings, but I will uh, because that's kind of how it is. But it it, it kind of veered a little right wing to me, um, a little bit militaristic, a little bit uh, – kind of uh historic like looking back on history and saying they sh- japan what it was shameful that they uh did the unconditional surrender to the united states um in the end and kind of trying to rewrite this idea of like a new militaristic japan like i'm just not like super into all of that so um, yeah and uh, you know they also botched uh, crime and punishment, which is uh, offensive to me <laughs> from a literary <laughs> perspective as well. Uh, so there's just a, there's a bunch of things that kind of like bothered me about the film uh, throughout. Um, so yeah, I just thought it was it's a good film, like a well made film, but just I didn't enjoy a lot of aspects to it. Mm-hmm. So four and a half to me. Yeah, for me, I a lot of what you guys said has already been uh, what I would repeat. I mean, it is well made. It's something that you can sit there and watch. I did like enjoy moments of it, but yeah. I was so confused by that guy's description of what he wanted to happen. Why right. the heck they're going to mm-hmm. surrender? The plot makes no sense. <laughs> yeah. It's very long. It's very long. It is long. Too, yeah. It's uh, it's just it's odd in some points. They didn't really develop any of the characters that we needed them to. No, not until I mean, like, and most of the time when they developed a character, it would be one one kind of conversation. So like with the captain, yeah. with the captains, like they kind of have this one conversation where you're why, why he doesn't like kamikaze, great. But then this other one conversation with his about his wife a little bit. Like I wasn't there yeah. as a husband. There's only like you know two things, yeah. and then I was also I'd say your main character, you get like two things, and and the the, the kamikaze yeah. pilot, you get almost nothing. You really get very you get very nothing little, very him. little. Yeah, 
you get like one kamikaze pilot i wanted to be a baseball pitcher cool so you're gonna die because you dropped your baseball (laughs) oh cool and then another one where it's like my family died so i want to die in like their honor or whatever yeah like that's all you get yeah and it's i don't know it was very long it was also it was super weird to i guess it's Interesting to see the other side of the coin because yeah. all we ever see are the American films. And to see something like said, this, I, it was, it was weird. I was like, "It's coloring my viewpoint of the movie a little bit." But yeah, yeah. I mean, it's how can it not? Because you're like, "Oh, they're gonna shoot the American ships now." You're like, "Yeah, I don't want that to happen." Yeah, I don't know. I guess it'd be similar <laughs> to me. To me, though, there was this kind of weird, like, militaristic bent to it. It's almost like if we watched an American film where they were like, uh, "It was bad that we didn't drop a an atomic bomb on Tokyo," and like. You know, mm-hmm. you know, really crushed them into nothing, and I'd be like, uh, "Wait, what? <laughs> Wait, what's that? That's what we call overkill, guys. That's, in, that's it's an not needed." But it, or, or like, if you watch a Vietnam film where they were like, "And we should have one hundred percent dropped an atomic bomb on Hanoi or Ho Chi Minh City," and it's like. <laughs> Excuse me? (laughs) Wait, what? (laughs) I I thought the American Um, corollary was like King Kong, where it's it's sci-fi, it's a war we lost, you know. Wait, King Kong? Yeah, the new one. Oh, oh, you're talking about the new King Kong. (laughs) Yeah, with uh, during the Vietnam War, we find the island where King Kong and the skull monsters are. I thought you meant the original King no. Kong. I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. You're talking about like when, like you're talking about like the war being the war against the gorilla at the end <laughs> when he's climbed up on top of the skyscraper. Like yeah. that's the war, the battle of, of New York city against yes. the gorilla. No, a really bad, US on really bad sci-fi movie uh, from a war that the country and it lost. Oh, you didn't like the new King Kong. I never seen it. You didn't like Kong skull Island. I did not. It was dude. It's got Samuel Jackson in it, man. <laughs> that doesn't Brie Larson all the time. Adrian? Right. Oh, not Adrian Brody. Who, who was that? Yeah, uh, Adrian Brody's not Adrian Grenade. What's, what's, what's no, the guy? Uh, gosh, I don't know. He's from all the. Yeah, he's, that, he's uh, Thor. Tom not, Middleston. Thor's or something, yeah, there right? we go. Yeah, Loki. Oh, is that his name? Yeah, yeah, Hiddleston. Okay, I'm going to give it a four and a half. Sorry, yeah, we're all at four and a half. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's, it's 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 a very strange movie. I'm sure. I'm sure you know. Some other people would watch it and be like, "What are you talking about? Like, this is a pretty good movie. Like, I enjoyed it." Or it was well made. We've seen things that have been a lot worse. Of course, yeah. made. But that's not. It's not everything goes along with that. And I, oh, one thing. Right. One thing. I was like, a lot of submarine action. I enjoyed that. a lot of submarine stuff. All that's good. Like, if you want to see something where you're seeing kind of like a, you know, what's supposed to be like an experimental World War II type submarine. And seeing a lot of like depth charging and mutiny and um, torpedoes and all this stuff with a little science fiction thing, then yes, by all means, this is like a pretty good film for that if that's what you're looking for. But as like a, a whole film. But most of us aren't looking for that. <laughs> we just want like the classic sub action. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I, America, baby. Right. Right. That's what we want. I know when it, like, we're first watching it, they're like, there's the USS, what did you say, Bowfish? And they just like fish, yeah. blow it up. I'm like, like, oh man. Oh, oh, I forgot. It's Japanese movie month. This is American Lives. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> All right. So I'm going to get into a little trivia here. Let, let me hit you with uh, some real quick. And, okay, sure. Uh, I, I went down the rabbit hole a little bit. Uh, Sh- oh, Shinichi Tsutsumi, who played Asakura, again, the guy that, villain, villain character that wanted to reset Japan, basically. Uh, he, yeah, sure. Restart button. Yeah, he he was in a uh, another movie from 2010 called Space Battleship Yamato. Ooh, that sounds fun. And I'm hoping there's some submarines in the live action one. He's in the live action one, but it's based on an anime. And in the anime, there is the 
uh, Yamada 2199 Dimensional Submarine. Uh, wow. So you can do that uh, maybe one of these times for uh, subs worldwide, subs uh, galaxy-wide. What, what is this thing called? <laughs> space, space Battleship what? Yamato. It looks ridiculous. It's just a battleship in space. Like, there's no accoutrements to make it, like, space-worthy. It's just a battleship up there. <laughs> oh, there's, like, a live action. Because I was going to say, dude, like, it's got an 8.3. Yeah, the live yeah. action's got a 6.1, so. It's a little higher than I what we just watched. Yeah. The other other wow. real quick, uh, I, I also looked at the uh, the German poster for Lorelei. I don't know if you guys saw it. It's called, uh, The German title of the movie is Lorelei I-507. Mm-hmm. And the tagline on it is Japan's Antwerp off Das Boot, which means Japan's answer to Das Boot. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> that is a terrible tagline. I like it. Is that, is that all that's you got? That's it. That's it. <laughs> all right. So Hopefully this was I didn't the highest grossing hills in any way. No, no, not at all. So this was the highest grossing film in Japan during its week of release. Nice. So it was somewhat successful. Um, the design of the I-507 submarine is based on a real one. It's a French, French submarine, uh, Surcouf, launched in 1929. It was the biggest submarine ever launched at the time. And actually the biggest hmm. submarine until, you know, several, I mean, many years later uh, when a, a Japanese sub actually, I think, overtook it. Um, so the story of Lorelei is based on a best-selling novel written by Hiratoshi uh, Fukui, uh, Fukui uh, which was over a thousand pages long. So that may be why like the plot gets a little botched uh, in translation a little bit because mm-hmm. I think there's a lot that they could c- kind of build on. But it was part of a new wave of neo-nationalism in Japan. So that's why I, I was kind of talking about like there's a little bit of a conservative bent to this. And it actually continues to this day. There's, you know, Abe, the the leader of Japan, is kind of more on the conservative side of things. And it's been kind of this wave of, of more uh, military might and returning Japan to, like, kind of the forefront in response to the rise of China and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And they, this was a wave of movies, particularly in this year, there were three different movies released, kind of all with this, like, subplot huh. of rewriting history a little bit to be like, fuck surrendering to the U.S. This was actually more, like militaristic and interesting than you know just simply surrendering or whatever. right yeah uh so this was the first film by Shinji uh higuchi he went on to direct shin godzilla godzilla which was the two, 2016 reboot of the godzilla franchise by toho uh, it ended up winning best picture at the japanese academy uh awards and i've heard that's really good yeah, he's very very well regarded he actually has a new direct a film coming out this year called dragon pilot and it's based on a manga here's the plot his Sony Amakasu is a rookie in the Japan Air Self-Defense Force, where she is situated at the Gifu Air Base. She decides to join the force to distance herself from people uh, she has found difficult to interact with. Uh, despite that, or sorry, Hisoni's decision leads her uh, life being changed uh, when the concealed OTF, organic transformed flyer or dragon inside the base, chooses her to be his pilot, leading her to discover her destined role as a dragon pilot to, during the ascension in the skies together. According to legend, dragons are thought to possess the key to unlocking the future of the world. All right, man. So at theater, we're going to, the, to that. Is that going to come out in theaters? Probably not here. Uh, it will come out in theaters, but in Japan. Vacation. Yeah, there we go. Just use all this uh, podcast money and take a yeah. little trip to Japan. Brown, um, we'll expense it. Don't worry, man. Okay. We're going with. Thank you. So finally, <laughs> a major aspect of this film is the bombings of Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Uh, what actors from other films involving these bombings might have been good in this film? So how about Paul Newman, who was in Fat Man and Little Boy? Mm. I was wondering what they were going to call Where the bomb, you- uh, the third bomb. Oh, yeah. Man. It's like a little boy, fat man, and... A medium woman. 
Uh, yeah. I don't know. I don't know who I'd put him in. Just like regular size. Because we only have like so many. I guess you could. <laughs> it might be weird to just put him in there with all the Japanese crew and you just got Paul Newman running around. No, you could be the captain. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? He's a captain. Okay. Yeah. How about, uh, how about Gary Busey? He was in a film called Insignificance. <laughs> now Gary Busey would be the bad guy who wants to rebuild Japan. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's got the canyon shit. <laughs> Word yeah. up. I like it. That'd be, that'd be good. I said, and you could see it's like an script. outsider. He's like, we're going to do this right. We're going to do this the Busey way. Yeah. What about uh, Kevin James? What, what about Kevin James, who's in the film Little Boy? Wait, like <laughs> that's not King, Paul, King, King that's of Queens? Not Paul Blart, is it? Yeah, Paul Blart Malcolm. Oh, uh, he <laughs> would he would have been the uh, American captain. You think so? Oh, yeah. the guy sweating, drinking all the time. Make him like a bumbling would... idiot. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I'd like to see him as Paula. Oh, good. Paula Blart. That's actually, that, that, you know, Blart? I like that. That's, you know, <laughs> reverse sexism or <laughs> anti-sexism. Yeah. Leather suit and all the tubes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean, she gets up there like, wait, what are you doing here? Why do you, why do you uh, fight? Like, I just like to sing, man. Like, what? Uh-huh. Uh, what about Hugh Jackman, who is in The Wolverine? He would be the... Kamikaze pilot. A little song and dance, too. Give him yeah. a little song and dance <laughs> to it. Actually, he should be Lorelai because he gets to sing. He just likes to sing, man. Greatest showman, man. It yeah, reminded me on. of Wolverine um, when they were hooking her up with the tubes and talking about the German uh, testing because that's how he became... Uh, He's Lorelai, man. That's how he got Get unleashed. It's perfect. Uh, what about Nick Cage, USS Indianapolis? Oh, dude, when they mentioned They the mentioned USS... it, and I was like, Nick Cage is there. He's actually just still Oh, no, that on was that Magneto. In this Sorry. One. Sorry, X-Men fans. <laughs> Don't disrespect the X-Men. I know. So, yeah, I, I like it right, Brom. So Nick Cage actually would have been a good American captain, kind of showing up. Oh. Once in a while, just being like fucking nuts. Yeah. Man, he would have, because the American actors were not good. N- no, they were really bad. Yeah. yeah. We could have done that. But uh, Nick Cage would have electrified that role. Right. What about Ed Harris? <laughs> he was in the uh, the hit film, Dropping to Bomb. <laughs> How could we forget about dropping the bomb? Right, dropping Ty- the bomb. Tyler, uh, Tyler Perry's <laughs> dropping the bomb. Right, yes. <laughs> Sorry, Ned Harris. Uh, <laughs> this is a supporting role. I'd want... Oh, Ed Harris would be so good at conducting the mutiny, you taking think? it all over, but then he wouldn't die. No, he couldn't die. They would shoot him, but then they'd like put him in sickbay and he'd find a way to come Maybe back. he'd have a change of heart. Oh, he could. Yeah. It'd be real touching. Yeah, he'd be like, you know what? I agree with this. And then they'd be like, we ran out of torpedoes. And he'd be like, put me in that tube. Put me in that tube. And he'd grease himself up and pull out that general grease, that, that Harris general grease, put it all over himself, get into that, slide himself into that torpedo tube and then be shot out. <laughs> and then he like, he's in like a Superman-esque pose with his fist raised yeah. and he just hits the rudder of yes. a US ship and disables it. You're like, mm. what am I watching here? That's a 12 inch movie, man. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So finally, I'm going to get to a little phantom zone. Engage the Phantom. Phantom's engaged, sir. This was a test for the ages. I actually, it's just a modern Japanese war film. So, like, what am I supposed to do? Like, they're all Japanese actors for the most part, other than these, like, garbage American actors. So I was really worried about this one. So anyways, Norman England plays a sonar operator number one, apparently one of the uh, American actors or whatever. All right. 
Uh, who is that in the film? I don't know. I have no idea. <laughs> but he's but anyways, in it. he's one of them. Uh, anyways, he's also plays Sergeant Woodyard in the film Godzilla Tokyo SOS. So apparently, he just like lives in Japan and like is like an actor in these Japanese films. Okay. Um, so apparently, in that one, Godzilla destroys an American submarine. Uh, hopefully not with Sergeant Woodyard on there. That would be too bad. Mm-hmm. So that film features Hi- uh, Hiroshi Koizumi, who is also in a number of older Godzilla films, but believe it or not, is also in the 1963's A Dragon. No way. Yeah, we've been trying to get it. It's a very hard to obtain film in America. Yes. But he's in a dragon. And in that film, we have Akahiku Harada as Mu Agent number 25. And guess who? what he's in? Oh. Seriously. Guess what he's in? Want me to guess what he's in? Spy You Love Me? No. So he's in oh, Attitude is- Zero. No way. Yeah, he played the doctor actually in the LZ proper not in like the submarine or whatever yeah not the hot lady he yeah. played the one that actually ended up curing that french guy or whatever okay so yeah so from there we can just go into last week's cycle really yeah and i so, didn't think you'd be able to these ones are hard these are this is great and now I'm, i've got all kinds of stuff already hooked up like if yeah. we did a dragon done you know this one like hooks it right in no yeah. problem Boop, put it right in there and so this is it might be my greatest accomplishment um like i really actually contemplated like what am i going to do if i can't find a path like, I would have to commit seppuku. Hari, Kiri. Yeah, you can also call it Hari Kiri. <laughs> That's easier. Yeah. So there we go, guys. I read somewhere Hari Kiri is like, uh, like almost inappropriate to say. Oh, really? Yeah. It's like, uh, it's like offensive? Yeah. Is, is seppuku? No. They, oh, they there would, we go, guys. They want it to be called seppuku. There we go. See, really? that's why, that's, you know why? Because I am not the racist of this group. Um, no, Kyle is. I'm exactly. not going to change my name to that. I'm going to edit all this out. What? No, that's what everyone, that's what you are. Oh, great. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then you like, I'm also the one who like sets everyone straight about sexism. I'm like, hey man, women, you know, equal pay, right? And everyone's like, you're all like, no, no, no way. Women can't be doctors. And I'm like, hey guys, calm down. Women great. can be more than Tokyo Rose. Come exactly, on. Exactly, guys. guys. Come on. <laughs> they can be the captain if they want. I don't know where this is going. Anyways. <laughs> all right. Aruga. Yeah. <laughs> Might just edit all that shit out. <laughs> it's it's sub 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 world world wide 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 wide. Continuing on, we've been in Japanese movie month for our second week, and you've even mentioned these earlier in the episode, Jamie. The um, manned torpedoes. Oh yeah. They are called Kaiten. Oh wow. And they are a suicide craft uh, used by kamikaze pilots. So it, the word Kaiten translates to return to heaven. Oh, Jesus. And there were roughly <laughs> 420 of these built, and the use of these craft was originally shot down. They said, no, we're not going to do that. But then later it was deemed necessary because um, Japanese forces were becoming desperate to help turn the tide of the war as Americans were advancing on the island. Yeah. So they didn't like... I do have some questions about this, but I'm wondering if you're already going to talk about them. Yeah, we'll, okay, we'll see. So. Um, so these were the second most successful, like, but like you mentioned before, the most of the stuff you hear about is kamikaze planes. Yeah. These were the second most successful type of, uh, craft. So when these were first built, the pilot had the, the pilot had the option to actually escape after like he did a final, um, That's what I would think. That's what I would think you'd want to do is you'd have it be escape. Not that you would really necessarily be able to survive. Yeah. Like but something much, I mean, like if you had something that would float you up to the surface. Right. But who's going to pick you up? Anybody, I guess. Yeah, that's shot, the pro- that's kind of the problem. Shot right? at that yeah. is better than anything. I guess, yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, 
so you could like do your final approach, speed away, eject, right. but then they just said, well, forget that. And once you were latched in, you were in there for good. And um, if you went and you missed your target, you could circle around and try to come back. But if you didn't hit your target, a lot of times people just detonated them. Hmm. So all the pilots of these were really young. They were between 17 to 28 years old. And I read somewhere it was like 90% of them oh, wow. so only were a little, 17 to 24. So only a little bit older than us. Yeah. 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 We're all 14. We're all 14 years old. If you can't tell from our conversation. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so they actually, the pilots for this had to progress through a series of exercises and training and stuff. And they said the training was pretty difficult and dangerous because you would. <laughs> that nature? Well, right. <laughs> no, I know. I was like, well, what, what's the end goal here? Of course, it's going to be dangerous. Um, they would like practice ramming into things, but like the missile wouldn't be armed. But one oh, of wow. these, I'll get into it. You're, one of the um, torpedoes could travel at 40 knots, which Jesus. is 46 miles an hour. If you do that and you hit something that's rock solid, it's going to hurt. So anyways, 15 people died in the training hmm. for these things. And so they were designed to launch from either a surface ship or a host submarine. And the Kai-10 would be attached to the outside of the sub. And there's a little like access tube, I imagine, like at... Um, a play place in a fast food restaurant. For sure, yeah. Where you just, you know. It's where they got the idea at McDonald's. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that'd be, that'd be a good way to get into the torpedoes. <laughs> and so you could get in there so you could enter the um, Kaiten while the sub was submerged. And the pilot would get his bearings and go off on his mission. So there were a bunch of different types of these things. If you look on Wikipedia, they got all kinds. The Type 1, which was the most commonly built, there were... 330 of them. Mm. They were 48 feet, 5 wow. inches. That's, that's very they're, long. They're pretty long. Yeah. But the diameter, they're only 3.3 feet. In diameter? In diameter. Are you sure that's the diameter? Yeah. That's what it said. Wow. Okay. So it's pretty tight. That's tight. The warhead was 3,420 pounds. The max range was 42 nautical miles. This was kind of, it said cruising speed, 12 knots, but then max speed, I think when you're doing your final approach, is 30 operated a depth of 260 feet. But then the Type 2 had a, smite, a slightly smaller payload, was a little bit longer. I think it was like 50 feet. And that's the one that could cruise around at 40 knots. So, like I said, Wikipedia has a lot of good information on these. Also, um, if you're in Japan, they do have a memorial museum in hmm. Shunan City. Oh, wow. And there's also on display at... The Cure Maritime Museum in Hiroshima, History of Folklore Museum. Is it, is it Hiroshima or is it Hiroshima? I'm not sure. Yeah, who knows? Uh, Yamaguchi, the uh, History and Folklore Museum in Yamaguchi, the Yasukuni War Museum in Tokyo, and now I'll be able to pronounce these with certainty. Uh, the New, New Jersey. Yeah. <laughs> the New Jersey Naval Museum in Hackensack, New Jersey, Keyport Naval Museum in Seattle, Seattle Washington, the USS Bofin submarine museum we'll definitely be going wahoo there. and the royal navy submarine museum in gosport where's gosport is that uk, UK. <gasps> i'll have to tell my brother yes he's gonna go there yeah He'll be like hey we're going uh we're going for vacation right now this weekend we're going to uh, gosport and his wife will be like wait why are we going to gosport he's like oh, just, uh, it's like a pretty place whatever yeah <laughs> but it was also interesting on that site because uh, i went and looked because i was you know interested in these kamikaze craft because it's 
it's like such a foreign concept to it's, us. It's a very, yeah, a very um, interesting. And they even had like a um, different, they said the American perspective on it versus the Japanese perspective hmm. on it. And they said like the American perspective was like, either they like didn't know why people were doing this or they were just like, well, these people wanted to do this. Hmm. But the uh, Japanese perspective was like, this was mainly out of desperation because like they didn't know what else to do to stop um, American forces and stuff. And this was effective, but uh, not necessarily like the best way to go yeah, about it. I guess it. the one question I had, and I'm not sure whether it is like, I just feel like it'd be very hard to like, how are they seeing where they're going kind of? Uh, they had to like, they had to train with bearings and stuff. So I, I don't think you really could see. So you just kind of know. You just get your bearings. It's like when you would fire a torpedo. So how is it better? I, I guess I don't know. I, in my, in my I guess mind, you could it's like a fine bit, tune some adjustments. You could, you, you could adjust it, yeah. Maybe they could be told where to go or they could use some instrumentation to be like, actually, let's move it a little bit. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I mean, I guess it must be a, must have been hard training or whatever. Because I, I can't imagine you could actually see out of the thing and actually steer it or anything like that. Like, that'd be crazy. Like, I, Yeah, you really can't. No. So unless we see one in person and they tell us differently, we'll have to we'll have to go and figure it out. We'll have to go see one of these guys. But that's very interesting. It's it's a real strange concept. It, it's very foreign to us. Yeah. But um, I don't know. I guess if there was nothing else you could do. Yeah. Like, well, I guess we can do this yeah. and manufacture it on a mass scale fairly quickly. Sure. All right, Brian. What do you got? Top five uh, ways of killing yourself, or what? Top five ways of committing seppuku. Here there we go. go. Top <laughs> top 5,000 ways to die episode. There we go. Ooh. No, I got something much more lighter, much more happy and upbeat. Tube three, ready to fire, sir. Commence the countdown. Give it to me. I have got my top five Japanese fun facts. Because we are in wow. we are in Japanese movie month. Uh, again, we got we're talking about you know nuclear warheads and seppuku and all that stuff when we're watching these movies. So let's talk about Japan today. Very cool culture. Here's some very neat facts. I've actually got six this week because they were there was a lot of neat stuff. Uh, country I'd love to visit someday. Number six. What Americans call cantaloupes or muskmelons are treasured fruits in Japan. One breed, the Yubari King Melon, can sell for over $10,000 a melon with incredible value placed on the attractiveness of the outer rind. Is that 10000 U.S.? 10000 U.S. Oh, my gosh. Better be a nice melon. We're in the wrong business. Yeah, what do you do? I grow melons. It was really interesting. It's, it's not a like a one-time. Yeah, it's not like a one-time thing either. There's like a whole bunch of them. You can buy them on eBay and stuff too, and they're all like thousands of dollars. With uh, like the really treasured ones that have like no blemishes on the rind, will get over. To, say, to I, imagine, I imagine us getting into the business and Kyle being like, "Oh man, guys, here we go!" And they're like, "No, this uh, rind's shitty. It's like five bucks." And you're like, "What? How dare you? This is unblemished. This is bullshit. You know what? Yeah. This is fucking bullshit." Yeah, <laughs> this rind is perfect. This is grown in the northern United States. You don't know what it's you're fucking. You guys, you guys have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah, <laughs> I can't even imagine if I came home and told my wife, "Oh, I just spent ten thousand dollars on this melon." Do you all right? Do you eat them? <laughs> Yeah, they eat them, uh, and they no make dishes way. and stuff with them. Yeah, 
Oh my god. I don't I but like they put so much value on the attractiveness of the rind, so they don't want blemishes or anything like that. So but I mean like you're gonna cut into it. Like you aren't gonna let it just rot. Like you're gonna eat it. I mean, it. I guess we I, we haven't tasted it. We don't know. Maybe it's that good. I hate cantaloupe. <laughs> <laughs> it's like one of the three foods I don't like eat. I think so. I think someone would say that you just have never had a good cantaloupe. I guess is I've never just, had a Ubari. Is it like a normal cantaloupe? It's just normal cantaloupe. It looks, it, looks, it looks like a cantaloupe or muskmelon, like indistinguishable. Yeah, muskmelon. What's the official name again? Uh, they're 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 called cantaloupes or muskmelons. This is a like a hybrid or a breed called the Ubari King, which will really skyrocket the value of it. Grown in the city of Ubari. Flash forward like three hours from now, and we're still talking about <laughs> Ubari mills. <laughs> I should have made like, this How long one was that episode? One. Oh man, it was like four hours. We talked a lot about melons. Yeah, dude, it does just look like a cantaloupe. <laughs> a little longer. I don't know. Oh, look at that Ryan though, dude. Oh man. Dude, that's 12,000 really bucks. Look at that guy. It, it is that Ryan beautiful. is pretty cool. Yeah. I will say that. Kind of went, well, whatever. Get get myself in a room alone with him. You know, know, I've heard about people where like, oh, you know, we'll go out on a Friday night and everybody throws down like $30. You get a group of like 10 people. You get some really expensive like bottle of like whiskey a, like a or bottle something. Service. Yeah, sure. Let's do that with some melons, man. Yeah, man. With that podcast money. <laughs> so GoFundMe, we're going to be starting a GoFundMe so that we can Just try so we can get a, a, a $12,000 melon, guys. So uh, keep you posted about that one. All right. <laughs> let's get to that second fact. <laughs> number five. So we can eat this it on a radio five. show. Yeah. <laughs> no, number five, also food related. It is customary. Is this number four? No, I'm doing no, six doing this six week. Six of them. Oh, you're doing six? Oh my god! We really shouldn't have talked so much about Such those melons. A, dude, I know. That's amazing. Let's dive deep on this. I mean, I if it's interesting, like, this is the worst. He just did the worst <laughs> fact. We're going to be talking so much about these other facts. Yeah. <laughs> Number five. It is customary to slurp hot noodles like soba or ramen. Louder slurping indicates you find the noodles to be particularly savory. I have heard that. I'm like saying. the more uh, like mouth noises and stuff uh, with it. Um, I, I can I know from first hand experience. You done that? No, I'm saying that like people in my you know at my work when they're eating their food are eating very loudly and it is disgusting. Oh yes! Oh, it's so good. No, they're doing that. <laughs> yeah. Are they Japanese? Yeah. Uh, I'm not going to comment on it. I don't oh. see like color, so I'm not sure. Oh, wow. Any of that kind of stuff, oh. So. Wow, Jamie. Number four. On average, there are around 1,500 earthquakes per year in Japan. That many? Yeah. That's, a, that's incredible. And with how small that country is, I mean, you probably, wherever you're at, you probably feel a lot of those. I mean, if one's like yeah. polarized to the north, maybe you don't feel it at the far south of the islands, but... 1,500, that's a ton. I mean, no, 1,500 is not a ton. 2,000 is a ton. That's oh, true. Yeah. A ton is 2,000 pounds, actually. So, <laughs> Oh, that's right. It's not 2,000 <laughs> earthquakes. Yeah, how many pounds of Could earthquakes you say, is If that? you had 2,000 earthquakes, would you say that it's a ton of earthquakes? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, really cracking ourselves over here. Oh, so yeah, we're unit so jokes, good. baby. We're so good. Unit jokes. I'm still looking at these melons online. They are. They look really nice. Number three, Jamie, you'll like this one. Japan is home to the largest population of inbred dogs. Wow. I mean, I, where are you weird. finding this? <laughs> <laughs> Probably because they're trying to make like perfect. Like, these melons are like $12,000. Yeah. Like we got to make this perfect one. This dog is shaped like a teacup. And you're like, yeah, it's a tea, was that a teacup poodle? And they're like, no, it's literally shaped like a teacup. And you're like, oh, <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> it's a monster. What have you done? <laughs> <laughs> Number two, anime is so prevalent in Japan and abroad 
that there are over 125 voice acting academies in the country of Japan. That's a lot. How many? 125. 125. Wow. Could we go there and get like tips? Probably. We could we just, get tips we could just for, enroll. You know, you know? So we get tips like so we perform for them and they give us tips? Is that right? No, man. <laughs> advice. Oh. Yeah. Well, why do we need advice? <laughs> we are right. We are pretty good. We're pretty great. Number <laughs> num- number one as a little contest for you. I want you to guess uh, the number here. Japan consumes how many pounds of horse every year? Oh, any is too many. Um, <laughs> well, it depends on the horse. <laughs> that horse is a real asshole. Guess what? You're gonna eat it. Oh, they yes. eat it raw too. They uh, slice it no. very thin and eat raw horse. How how many pounds does the country eat every year? I'm gonna say. One million oh my God. pounds. No way. I, don't, I think that's. I think that's a gross overestimation, in my personal opinion. I don't think so. How many I'm, people are in Japan? I'm going to say uh, ninety thousand. All right, here we go. Japan consumes nearly fifteen million pounds of horse Whoa! every year. Oh my gosh! Fifteen million. Fifteen million. That's got to be at least like every what year. Is that four four horses or five horses <laughs> at least? Oh my god. That's that's the math. That's crazy. Maybe it's good. I haven't had it yet, I guess, you know. Well, so when we go on our trip to Japan, we got a few things to go to. We got to go to the the torpedo suicide or suicide torpedo memorials and stuff like that, yeah. right? We got to see that premiere of that movie that's coming out mm-hmm. with that actor in it. And uh we got to eat some horse and we got to feel an earthquake. Oh yeah, we gotta feel, we gotta feel an earthquake, and we gotta buy a melon. We gotta get that melon. Well, this is a whole gun GoFundMe. We'll provide all the funding for this trip plus enough to buy a twelve thousand dollar melon. Get some voice acting. Bring home an inbred doll. Well, no, that's how we're. That's also how we're gonna fund the trip is by getting tips oh, okay. uh, when we go and perform at the voice acting. <laughs> I, mean, I don't think <laughs> yeah, you're getting. It. I don't think you're them. getting it, Jamie. No, I'm not. I'm still confused. I think. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but that was my top six Japanese fun facts. Those were very fun, and they were facts for sure. Yeah. They weren't Zach facts. Um, <laughs> well, we don't know. We actually, I'm not totally sure they weren't Zach facts. <laughs> it's true. Which one do you we think up I would be one lying about if one of them were the horse Zach one? Fan. The horse one? <laughs> 15 million. Inbred my God. dogs. Inbred dogs. No, come on. They, they obviously are inbreeding dogs. First of all, inbred dogs happen in the United States. They're definitely inbreeding dogs. You like think all my dog's inbred? Look at that underbite. <laughs> no, your dog is hilarious. It's so cute. It just wants to snuggle. Like jump yeah. on your lap and you're like, oh, hi. That's true. Yeah, that's great. It could be inbred. That's maybe why. It's like, yeah, real nervous. Yeah. It does have two tails. Thanks for listening to Submersion. Find us on SoundCloud and follow us on Facebook. Instagram, and Twitter. Can't get enough of us? Don't forget to subscribe for new episodes every Thursday. And if you like what you heard, please go ahead and give us a rating.